and you know we are all children of the king in fact of course we are kings as well but we are children of the king and do you, do you know any children of the king that don't live uh, the best lives uh, that they possibly can you know if you know anything about the the Saudi Arabian uh, kingdom it's a kingdom right it's not a it's not an elected government like we have it's a kingdom and and people rule it and and the and they all drive Maseratis and, you know, they all, you know, uh, not that I want to drive a Maserati because it probably has terrible gas mileage, but if you're, of course, in Saudi Arabia, you own the oil field, so, you know, it's all right. Uh, but um, but they, they don't live, you know, on barely get along street, amen? They, they live as kings because they are kings. And, and um, you know, it's not about just the natural things of the world because so, so many times people in a church will... You know, you're thinking only about the natural things. Well, I'm not only thinking about the natural things because I live in divine health. I live in divine peace. I, I live in, in divine wisdom. So there's many spiritual things, but I also live in divine prosperity uh, because that's who I live in this world. I live in the world that I see, this natural world, and the Lord who made this natural world would surely want to bless us in every area that we live. And one of the areas that we live is, of course, in this natural world. Uh, and I never have understood why the church is so against that. I mean, I understand that there has been plenty of abuses and people have set up ch uh, churches and ministries only to collect money, you know, for their own pocket. But that's, that's actually a pretty rare event, you know. I mean, it happens often, but, uh, I mean, it happens in, in the history of things. It's happened many times. But as far as you look at all the churches, you know, most churches are just trying to do right by the Lord, amen? Yeah, you get a crook every now and then, but you... You get liars too. You know, people get up and say, God doesn't do miracles. You know, that's lying. God doesn't intervene. You know, we said a miracle. We sing a song about miracles. Well, a miracle is a supernatural intervention in the natural course uh, of our lives. Uh, and uh, we need some supernatural intervention in our lives. Amen. Because otherwise, we're left to only our devices that we have the intelligence to, to overcome. Uh, and, and so um, it's, uh, uh, I've always thought it odd that the church would try to remove the supernatural from the Lord. That he is a supernatural God, but why, why is a church, and why are so many people in a church so uh, often trying to remove the supernatural aspect of God? I mean, the very, the very beginning of our relationship with the Lord to be born again is primarily a supernatural event, right? It, it's, there's very little that changes in the natural realm the vast majority of changes that occur when you become a child of God is in the supernatural realm. It's in above the natural realm and the spiritual realm. Uh, and it's a supernatural event that occurred in your life. Uh, and why would that be the last supernatural event that occurred in our lives? Amen. That should, that should not be a, a, um, a rare thing. In fact, I remember uh, listening to a story about uh, there was one, uh, it was a Pentecostal denomination, but um, there was a, a minister in the, their denomination had started seeing angels and was telling people about, you know, I've started seeing angels and, you know, that there's some things going on. And uh, anybody ever read the book uh, Angels on Assignment? Uh, it's a fairly old book, but uh, um, uh, but uh, there it, it was another, it talks about another pastor, but this other pastor, I think up in, in Washington State, uh, started seeing angels and the Lord gave him the ability to see angels and, and uh, uh, he talked with angels over, over a long period of time. You know, not every single day, but uh, had many uh, uh, interactions with angels over time, and so they wrote a book about it. And, you know, you read the book, and you don't really see anything um, that's not scriptural. So, you know, so you have to take some of those things with a grain of salt to some extent because th there's not a whole lot of details about what angels would do if they appeared to you. Uh, but 
what you're looking for is there anything that, that violates scriptural principles. So if they said, well, the angel was down on the street corner preaching the gospel, you know that wouldn't be biblical because angels aren't assigned to preach the gospel. Men are. Uh, and so if you see things like that where, you know, uh, I know one story said there was an angel sitting on the left hand of the Lord. Uh, Jesus, of course, on the right hand of the Lord, but there's an angel on the left hand of the Lord. Well, there's no Bible pattern. In fact, you know, there are, there's no evidence that there's any um, seats for angels at all, that none of them sit down. Uh, and so if you hear of an angel sitting down, that would seem odd to me because uh, that seemed that would violate the scriptures. And so, but anyway, so this, this, this pastor was talking about how he started seeing angels and uh, ministering to, to people or helping people minister. And, uh, and we know, according to Hebrews chapter 2, that they're sent here to minister for, not minister to, but minister for heirs of salvation. Well, we're the heirs of salvation, so the angels are on assignment to us. They're here to work with us. And now they, they, they are assigned to us by the Lord. Uh, and, uh, but there are things that, that we do that they can't do. They can't preach the gospel, right? They, they, they don't have insight into the revelation of the Word of God. Uh, in fact, this is they, they have longed to see the, the insight to the Word of God that we as human beings, created beings, uh, have. Of course, they're created beings too. But uh, So anyway, it went on, and, and then they, so they had to have a conference meeting about this pastor. What are we going to do about this pastor seeing angels? And, and, and they just about got to the point where they decided to throw him out of the denomination because, you know, well, we can't have these strange things going on. And so, you know, uh, so it kind of reminded me of, you remember the story with, with Solomon when he became king uh, and the people of Israel came to Solomon and said, hey, you know, um, David really put a, put a lot of work on us, you know, and, and uh, we're really working hard, you know, any way we could, we, could, we could get you to ease up on some of this burden, you know, and, and, and so, um, so he went and talked to the elders and the elders said, you know, that's not a bad idea, you know, I mean, because uh, we did put a lot of work on times of war and so you know maybe it'd be okay to back off a little bit now and and and, and uh, actually it was Solomon's son right Rehoboam that, that so they said Solomon put a lot of work on us so not David but Solomon put a lot of work on us uh, and so Rehoboam went to the old guys and the old guy said yeah maybe you're right you know Solomon um, did put a lot of work on him you know and then he went to the young guys, right? The, the people his age. What do you think? Oh, no, you can't do that. You know, they're, they're going to think you're easy, right? So, so you need to double up on them. Uh, why? Because young people are often stupid, you know, and, and uh, we were all young once, right? Not very bright. Uh, and so, uh, so he did. As Rehoboam listened to the young guys and, then, of course, caused a civil war eventually in, in, uh, in Israel because of stupidity. But uh, so they're having this meeting about this, this minister. What do we do? This minister is seeing angels, and, and, and um, that makes us very uncomfortable when people are doing things in the supernatural realm. And so finally, they, they, there was one fellow in the conference, you know, he was an uh, older gentleman, been, been in, in the denomination since dirt, and, and they said, well, what do you think? And he said, well, he said, to be honest, he's a... I'm not so concerned that this man is seeing angels. He said, what gives me greater concern is why are we not seeing more of them? Why are we not seeing more of the supernatural? Uh, and he, you know, he got all these young whippersnappers who were just ready to lynch this guy and, and throw him out of the, the conference and you know, defrock him and everything and, because he's having supernatural experiences. And uh, the old guy's like, well, how come we ain't all doing this? You know? and, and so... Yeah, anytime that you hear people resist the supernatural, you should be suspicious of them because we, we serve a supernatural God. 
And anytime you see people saying, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't desire the blessings of God, you know, that's all he's got. I and mean, that's what he started out blessing mankind. He started out blessing humanity with Adam and Eve. Uh, and that's the very first thing he did for them, right? He said that God blessed them. And then he gave them assignments to things to do in the earth. Uh, and um, anytime that people resist the blessings of the Lord. And, 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 you know, I understand those are not the most important things in your life. The blessings of heaven. Uh, the most important thing in your life is to look like the Lord, right? Walk like the Lord, talk like the Lord, and serve Him to the very best of your ability. Uh, that, those are the most important things in, in life. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with desiring the blessings of the Lord. He provided them for us. He paid a great price to obtain them, right? He paid the, the very uh, blood of Jesus to obtain them. Uh, and so, uh, and I know I'm somewhat preaching to the choir here, but um, I know we believe these things. But it's just, it's so constant in, in the church that you hear people so resistant to the blessings of God, so resistant to the supernatural power of God, uh, that uh, sometimes I wonder, like, uh, have you ever met the Lord? He is only a supernatural God. He doesn't sit on the front pew of the church anywhere, right? He's in the spirit realm. His only interaction with us is supernatural. Uh, and so uh, sometimes, you know, you got to wonder, right? Uh, I'm glad I didn't grow up in a in denominational church that taught those things because then you have to unlearn those things as an adult and some things are easy to unlearn some things you know you find yourself decades later still kind of having that mentality of maybe God doesn't want to bless me and, and uh, so I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't have to unlearn any of those things and, and that uh, uh, that I know that uh, things like healing of course this is healing school but things like healing the Lord desires to heal us uh, he always desires to heal us. He never not desires to heal us. And, uh, and th there's never an instance of sickness in all of the, the history of humanity where the Lord's desire was not to heal them. Every single sickness that's ever been uh, inflicted upon humanity, the Father in heaven desired to cure us of that sickness and disease. Uh, and there's never a person ever uh, that God desired with, with all of his heart, uh, more than anything, I want this person to be sick and to die of the sickness and disease. And uh, we do know from the word of God that there, there often there are times when the Lord is unable to assist somebody in their sickness because of their faith or their life or their choices or whatever it is. There, there are often reasons for why people are sick, but the reasons never have to do anything with God's will, his desire. It's, it's always on our side. And, and it's not my job to judge somebody to say, well, you're weak in faith or you're in sin or you know, whatever it is, that's not my job. That's, that's the, between them and the Lord God. But Because uh, I don't know them, but I do know the Lord. Uh, and, and I know the Lord's will from His Word, because He's expressed His Word, His will through His Word, that whether they, they sick, if they never get healed, it was never His desire for them to stay that way. Uh, and that's, uh, if we can get that settled in our hearts, that there's never an instance, well, well maybe God just didn't want to heal them. And I know sometimes we say the phrase, will God allow that to happen? And I just don't like that phrase because it implies that God allowed it like he, he it came across his desk and, and somebody said, do, I, do you give me permission to put the sickness on there? And God goes, yes, I give you permission. It's never God giving permission for the sickness to be on there. It's uh, the free will of man uh, cannot be overridden by the, the free will of God. And, and, and he sees it heading that way and he's like, I, there's nothing I can do about it. Without their intervention in faith or their intervention of repentance or whatever the intervention on their part is 
I am powerless to do that because I cannot and will not override their will. And he doesn't, right? Nobody's will has ever been overridden by the Lord. Uh, he has constrained the will of people in the sense of them inflicting their will upon other people. But he doesn't change their will. That, that would be witchcraft. And so the Lord doesn't do witchcraft. Uh, and so I don't like the phrase that God allowed it because, it's, first of all, it's not a biblical phrase. Uh, uh, and secondly, it implies that God looked at it and approved of that interaction, even though he didn't want to do it. But, yeah, I'll, 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 I will allow this to happen. He's never making that choice because it implies that he could not allow it to happen. Uh, and so uh, we have to, we, we should try to strive to use biblical phrases because sometimes, you know, it's not always wrong, but sometimes it, uh, uh, it implies something that's not true. Amen. Uh, so God's not allowing things by his choice to do it. He is unable to do anything because uh, he would have to violate the free will of mankind in order for him to stop some things. And so uh, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. We'll get started there today. So we finished up uh, last week where she was talking about the blood of Jesus and, and then using the analogy of the blood that God created in humanity uh, and how that works. Uh, with uh, the blood of Jesus and how that works in the spirit realm and then using that analogy to show all the different things that the blood of Jesus does for us along with what the blood does in our human bodies. Uh, and so uh, in this chapter, in chapter 6, then she starts talking about salt. Uh, and it says here in um, Matthew five thirteen, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have, has lost its savor, so that word is saver, right? Not savior. There's not an I in that word. So uh, it, it means, uh, it means uh, taste, right? Has lost its savor. Uh, where, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. So uh, Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth. So that's kind of a big deal, right? Especially, you know, if you, if you know a little bit about history, at this time of history, salt was a rare commodity. And, uh, and there was a time when salt was very difficult to obtain. Nowadays, it's, it's almost free, right? I mean, it's, uh, uh, there, there was plenty of times in history after they figured out how to mine it successfully uh, that it became very inexpensive. But at, some, at one point in time in history, and this is at that time, that salt was, uh, was very expensive. Uh, and then she kind of goes through using salt as an analogy uh, of these things. Uh, but uh, and, and she didn't mention this so much because you know remember this was written a hundred years ago or so roughly about a hundred years ago. So, but if you look at in our lifetime in our generation, uh, salt has gotten gotten a bad rap, right? And so, oh, salt's terrible for you, right? And I remember I was at a family reunion sometime many years ago, and just salting my food something and some and one of the uncles said that'll kill you, because that was a thing, right? Salt will kill you, and. and you know, I've always thought it odd that something that Jesus said was good that mankind has said is bad. Uh, and, and I've always been suspicious, you know, that well, salt can't be bad for you. If Jesus said we're the salt of the earth, then it can't, there's no way it could be bad for you. Just like uh, Jesus said, he's the bread of life. And how many people just like, oh, bread, you know, oh, you know, uh, what, what's bread? What's the problem with bread that, uh, not gluten, but the... Uh, carbohydrates right carbohydrates and carbs you know you can't eat carbs you know and and bread's got carbs you can't eat bread I thought, that's just really odd because jesus said he's the bread of life so you know of course i love bread right and yeah and, and um you know just things like that anytime i hear somebody 
that, that says that something that Jesus said was good and, and that somehow some brilliant medical person says that, no, no, that's bad. Jesus said it was good, but it's really, actually it's bad. I just find it really odd, you know. And so, of course, what we found out that salt is really not that bad for you. Anything in excess is bad for you. Amen. You know, even water in excess will kill you, right? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, yeah, I'm not a doctor, but I know what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that we are the salt of the earth, so it cannot be bad for you. Amen? Now, if your doctor says, don't, you know, cut back on the salt, uh, th- fine, do that, right? But um, I'm just a little suspicious, right? Uh, and so, do you raise your hand? Somebody raise your hand? No. And so, uh, so Jesus said we're the salt of the earth, right? Uh, and, of course, we know so, uh, we got all of our high school uh, science uh, people, right? What's salt made out of? Sodium and what? Sodium chloride, right? Uh, and... Um, uh, and so, of course, chlorine then is a, is a gas, right? And I was looking up this just a little bit. Um, uh, chlorine gas is a poison. Uh, and then sodium is a metal, and it's kind of a gray, uh, solid, uh, blackish metal. And it's poisonous to you. Uh, but if you put them together, it's good for you, right? I mean, you have to actually have salt. If you ate no salt all your life, I don't know what happens, but it's bad, right? Uh, and so, do anybody know what happens? Anybody know what's happened if you don't have any salt in your in your body? Um, it, it's not good for you, right? No, that's right. I guess you are. your electrolytes would be off 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 kilter, right? Uh, and so, uh, and and um, sodium by itself is kind of like I said, darkish gray and, and uh, a blackish color. Uh, and what color is uh, uh, salt? It's white, right? And it's a, it's a pure crystalline form. Uh, and so, uh, so she was kind of making the analogy that chlorine is a gas, so it's from above, and sodium is, is from the ground, so it's below. And so when those two things together, it makes a pure, a pure substance. And so it's just an analogy, but, um, you know, it's fine. Uh, but salt is good for you, right? They use salt for, you know, remember uh, before they had refrigerators, well, how did they preserve meat? With salt, right? They'd, they'd salt it down. And um, like country ham, maybe we have country ham. You know, country ham, I mean, it makes salt, you know, you have to have like country ham and a gallon of water, right? I mean, you get those two things have to go together because, I mean, it, it's poured on heavy, right? Uh, and so, uh, so it does, salt is a preservative, right? It uh, prevents decay. Uh, and uh, she said it's unique in the universe, so I don't know if that means that uh, we've not found sodium on any other planets in the universe. You know, of course, a lot of things I guess we wouldn't find uh, in the universe there. Uh, but, um, uh, but I like that Jesus said with the salt of the earth. You know, the, the thing about that phrase that I like is, uh, you know, primarily, especially nowadays, we use salt primarily as a flavor enhancer, right? So we don't use it for preservatives much anymore because we've got lots of chemicals we can, you know, we can shoot things up with, right? And preserves it. I mean, you put a Twinkie on the ground, it'll last for 100 years, and even the bugs won't eat it, right? And, and uh, there's a lot of preservatives in that stuff. Uh, but you know, salt is a natural preservative, but uh, primarily salt is a flavor enhancer. You ever had food that just tasted really bland? You know, just like something's wrong, you know, I mean, it, it's all the stuff is there, right? You get meat, you know, and it's just something, but you put just a little bit of salt on that, and, and you don't even really taste the salt. You just taste what it's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to be like, uh, and, and that's the church. We are the salt of the earth, and so, you know, a lot of times in the world, and even some people in a church think, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could just live like the world? The world's all exciting, and the world's super, super interesting, and church is so boring, and, and, and nothing there. That's the furthest from the truth. That's a complete lie from the devil. 
If there was no church, the earth would be so boring. The earth would be just, just full of sin and nothing going on, nothing of interest going on. Uh, and it's, if not for the church, the earth would be so boring. And, of course, the world thinks it's the exact opposite, that all oh, you church people are so boring. But no, uh, we see people get healed, delivered, set free, uh, blessed every day in church. Uh, and what do you do? You got drunk? How exciting is that? You lived in sin? Boring, right? People always try to impress me with their sin. Boring. You're boring. Your sin is boring, right? Now, what has God done for you? What has God spoken to you? What revelation do you have? That would be of interest for me to hear. I have no interest in your boring sin. Just because that's what everybody does, right? If everybody's doing it, it's, just, it, it, it's not interesting to me at all. We are the salt of the earth. And so don't ever let the world tell you, you're so boring as a church. You know, you're, you, know you, just, you don't ever do anything of interest. You know, uh, I live in complete joy every day. What do you do? Oh, you cry every day. You can't sleep every day. Uh, you, 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 uh, you worry every day. You fret every day. You're, you're anxious about everything. You're afraid of everything. Uh, that's really boring, right? Uh, I live in, in, in um, complete peace and joy every day. And so, I, you know, I never think, when I think of the church, I never think of the church being boring. I think of the church as we are the salt of the earth. If not for us, there would be no interest in the, in the whole world, nothing of interest in, in the whole world. So uh, don't, don't ever let the, the world always, is always trying to put the church under. It's always trying to diminish the church and the value of the church. And even the government oftentimes is trying to do that. You know, they shut the churches down, but didn't shut down half the bars and didn't shut, shut down a lot of industries because they're essential uh, and they tried to say the church is an essential. We're the only essential group in the world. All those other things could have been shut down and left the churches open, and we would have been fine. Uh, they didn't ask my opinion, but that's the, that's the truth of it, because we're the only ones salt of the earth. Amen? All these other groups aren't, aren't salt of the earth. Uh, and so, so she, she was saying how sodium represents mankind, uh, and uh, she, she uh, quoted 1 Corinthians fifteen forty seven that the first man is of the earth earthy. And the second man is the Lord from heaven. So the first man was Adam, right? He's from the earth. So we represent, uh, that's what sodium represents. Uh, and so, uh, and, and then she talked about how those two things have to come together. So, you know, and, and this whole chapter, you know, I read the whole chapter again and I went through all my notes there. Um, uh, I had to strain a little bit to find out, so what's this got to do with healing, right? So, <laughs> So at the end of all this, you know, we don't really know, but it's, you know, a pretty good analogy anyway, and, you know, it, it's okay, but, uh, uh, you know, sometimes people write books and they have a chapter, it's like, okay, that's a great chapter, well, what's it got to do with anything, right? And so we're not mad at anybody, and it's, and it's a fine analogy, and I think it'd be okay for us to go through it anyway to see what, what the Word says about it. Uh, but, again, but again, you know, like I said at the beginning, be suspicious anytime somebody says that something that Jesus said was good for you is bad for you. Uh, and, and so I just... Uh, I just have a hard time believing that, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so it really, uh, we're earthy, right? So we represent the sodium side of things. Uh, and um, anybody ever put raw sodium in like water? You know, you put salt in water, what happens? It'll dissolve and then, you know, it'll just be completely blended with the water, right? Except for the taste. And Yeah, yeah, it's a soft matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Well, it, sodium uh, will ignite in water in the presence. So you drop a, a chunk of pure sodium in water. So that's why they put in oil, because the moisture in the air, it could react with the moisture in the air. Uh, but it can be explosive. If you drop a big, chunk in, a big enough chunk of, of sodium in water, it will become an explosive uh, reaction uh, with the water. Uh, and so, but if you take uh, uh, salt and put it in water, you know, it's not that way. So we need the Lord to temper us, don't we, right? Uh, and, and so... Uh, so that union with the Lord, it, you know, it helps us, right? Uh, and uh, so she went over to, um, uh, well, she first mentioned John 3, and then went to 1 John chapter 3, but in John 3, Jesus said, uh, except a man be born again, in John 3, 3, uh, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So we need to be connected with the Lord, right? We need to be uh, joined with the Lord uh, so that we can, we can become salt of the earth, amen? So with, without the Lord, we're sodium, we're explosive, uh, of course, sometimes pe after people get born again, they're still explosive, right? And so they didn't join together with the Lord quite as they should. Uh, and so, uh, but she said, now in 1 John 3, 2, says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We know that when, we, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for, he, uh, for we see him as he is. Uh, so uh, the point here is now we are the sons of God. Amen. After we make the, the join, joining with the Lord and the connection with the Lord, we are, we are joined with him and we are the sons of God. And that happens now. So that doesn't happen in the future. This is not a future event. This is a now event, right? This occurs uh, in our lifetime uh, on this earth. Uh, and then she uh, quotes Galatians 3.26, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So we made a change. Amen. Uh, salt is not sodium. You know, you can eat salt, which is, to me, it's, it's amazing that you take two poisonous things and combine them and then eat it, right? You would think that if you take two poisonous things and combine them, you get something still poisonous, right? Uh, but um, you can eat salt, right? Uh, and um, uh, and that, that shows us, you know, how important our, our relationship is with the Lord, right? Uh, and salt, she, she talked about how salt is pure and white, uh, mentioning Isaiah 118, uh, where it says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Uh, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as, as wool. Uh, and so uh, that's, uh, uh, that's a good thing, right? Uh, that, to be joined with the Lord. And at the end of uh, end the result is we are pure. And that's, uh, if we could, you know, in the church, uh, a lot of times we struggle with... Um, uh, feeling inadequate, right? Feeling unworthy of, of the blessings of the Lord. And a lot of the people in the church often feel like they are unworthy to, to be blessed of the Lord, to have the Lord provide for us in any way. But in, in, in this context of this class, even in healing, oftentimes, you know, I hear people say things or, or have, imply that they are unworthy to be blessed with healing. Uh, and, you know, why is that? Why, why do they feel that way? Well, they forget what actually has happened on their behalf, right? They forget Isaiah 1, 18. It says that we are white as snow. Uh, you know, we should come, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, to come boldly to the throne of grace. Well, why are you able to come boldly to the throne of grace? You know, a lot of people come begging the Lord or feeling inadequate to the Lord. Well, that's not boldly. That, that's, that's, you know, uh, with, with great hesitation coming to the Lord. But we should go boldly to the Lord because the Lord has made us clean. The Lord has... has uh, washed away all of our sins, amen? Uh, and um, uh, and, and then, uh, she mentioned this, she said salt is everywhere, but you know, really, uh, if, 
if you go back to, um, uh, to the history of salt, you know, there was a time where salt was rare. Uh, and if you look at even in the church, you know, the church, Jesus said in Acts 1.8 that after you are due to the power, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and then where? Under the uttermost parts of the earth, right? So the intention of the Lord was uh, they would start in Jerusalem and expand out and be everywhere. But even after eight years, primarily uh, the church was still in Jerusalem. It wasn't in Antioch. It wasn't in Corinth. It wasn't in Rome. It wasn't anywhere. It was just limited to, to Jerusalem. And so just like at one time salt was rare, at one time the church was rare. As far as the world was concerned, the world didn't know about the church. Only Jerusalem knew about the church. Uh, and then finally, after, after, eight, after Acts 8.1, when there was great persecution and, and they were all scattered abroad, then they finally go, hey, well, we're here. We might as well preach to somebody, right? Uh, and it, I always thought it was odd that it took them uh, so many chapters in the Bible. And, and roughly in the book of Acts, every, every chapter is a year. But even, even when you got to Acts, so that they were scattered abroad and started preaching everywhere. But even in Acts chapter 10, remember the, the, uh, the story with Peter and how the Lord appeared to him. And, you know, about the sheet coming down and, and uh, call us out now, those things which I made clean, unclean. Uh, and so Peter was like, oh, no, Lord, I've not been touched anything unclean. And, and, and he was in, he, the Lord was talking about the Gentiles. And, and the Jews still thought the Gentiles were unclean and unworthy to receive the blessings of the Lord. Uh, and so they kept it rare. They kept the salt hidden in Jerusalem. Uh, and so the Lord didn't bring the persecution, but because of their, their lack of obedience, persecution came. And then they were finally scattered abroad. But even in Acts chapter 10, that was pretty rare. And, I, and then in Acts chapter 11, Peter had to answer for that, uh, for talking to the Gentiles. And he said, look, they received the Holy Spirit. Who are we to say God's wrong? And uh, but then if you remember when Paul came on the scene, Paul came on the scene in Acts chapter 9. By the time Acts chapter 15 came around, he had to come back to Jerusalem and answer, hey, here's what we're doing to the Gentiles. Uh, and there was controversy. Hey, do the Jews have to, do the Gentiles have to keep all, all of the law? And they had to have a conference. And, and Paul's like, well, you all have a conference. You know, we should know these things, right? This is kind of obvious. But uh, they had a conference and, and said to do a bunch of things. And uh, uh, and, and then it, it took a while. It took many years after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus for the church actually to expand. And it was primarily because of the work of Paul that it expanded into all of the world. And, of course, now it can't be stopped. But, uh, but there was a point in time when, when um, salt was not everywhere. But now uh, salt is everywhere, and that's just like the church, right? So, so salt used to be a rare commodity. Now it's basically everywhere, right? I mean, you can literally get it everywhere. In fact, you can get, if you take water, you can get, uh, if you steam water, you can get salt out of the, out of the uh, or uh, salt water, right, from the ocean. You could, you could boil it and you could get the salt out of that fairly easily. Uh, and so, uh, of course, uh, they also uh, mine salt as well. Uh, but, um, uh, so because salt is everywhere, then she quoted John 14, 12, where Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. So that's a pretty good verse, because if you look at uh, when Jesus was in, on the earth, the, the amount of miracles was fairly rare. I mean, we know that at the end of the book of John, it says that if all the things that Jesus did was written down, it would take up uh, books to fill the whole earth to write everything down. And he didn't really mean that, uh, that it was literally that, but it was a lot, right? Jesus did a lot of things, 
but it was still limited to Israel. It was limited to a small country uh, uh, with, uh, uh, with a rare people that, uh, that nobody knew about, right? Uh, and G- although they were spectacular miracles, they were limited to that location. And so the, the desire of the Lord was to expand that. He said that, the, that uh, the works that I do shall he do also. So what were the works of Jesus? What was one? I mean, when people think of, of miracles that Jesus did, what's the, almost the first thing they think of? Uh, what's that? Heal the sick, right? I mean, he did other things, right? He made the turn of water into wine and he walked on water. But, uh, uh, you know, he only turned water on once. He only walked on water maybe a couple of times that we know of. But how many times did he heal the sick? Very often, right? That was really the, the keynote of his ministry was he would heal the sick. Uh, and so, uh, and this verse is, has, is somewhat controversial, right? Uh, why, why is this verse not obvious? If Jesus did the works that I do, shall you do also? Well, then what did he do? He healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the leper, right? Uh, he did all those things. In fact, when he told, uh, when they came to him with John, remember, they came to him from John and said, hey, you know, John's in prison. You know, he's wondering to you know if you're the Messiah or do we look for somebody else, which is an odd thing because when John saw Jesus at the River Jordan, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. So somewhere along the way, John's uh, faith in Jesus uh, was tried and, and uh, it started to wane a little bit uh, because I think John thought that Jesus was going to take over the earth and, and uh uh, and start ruling the earth again, which, of course, was not the original plan for the ministry of Jesus. Uh, so they asked, uh, are you the Messiah? And Jesus said, go tell John. So, so they asked him, and then before Jesus answered, then he went and healed a bunch of people, blind people, deaf people, uh, lame people. Uh, uh, so they asked him, are you the Messiah? He goes, hang on. And he healed a bunch of people. He said, now go tell John what you saw. The, 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 the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. Go tell him what you saw. Uh, and that will answer the question, are you the Messiah? So, uh, so when people wonder, well, what are the works of Jesus? That's what he answered to John. He said, here's my works. I'm healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper. That's what I'm doing. If that's what Jesus was doing, if that's the works that he was doing, then, then what should we be doing? Healing the sick, cleansing the leper, causing the blind to see and the deaf to hear. Amen? Uh, and so... Uh, this is not a controversial verse, and yet there's a lot of people who think it's controversial and will argue and fuss about that. Well, the works are, are getting people saved. Do you know how many people Jesus got born again in his ministry? It's a little bit of a trick question, right? What's the answer? Zero, right? He got nobody born again, right? He got no, why? He hadn't gone to the cross yet. Nobody was qualified to be born again. And so, you know, he didn't do those works. Those are our works, right? But he said, the works that I do shall you do also. So whatever he did uh, are the things we should be doing. But not just limited to that, greater works. And he said, well, what are the greater works? Well, there's two ways to look at the greater works. Number one is, how many people did Jesus get born again? Zero. So we can do something that he couldn't do, which is to get people born again. And, and so uh, now he did after he was resurrected, right? The disciples got born again in John chapter 20. But in his, in his ministry, when he said this verse here, he had gotten exactly zero people born again at, at this point in time. So that's, that's a greater work that he, we can do that Jesus can do. But also, if you think about how many works could Jesus do at any given time? If he was in Galilee healing the sick, could he also be in Jerusalem healing the sick? No, because he was limited to a physical location, right? He wasn't 
He wasn't deity, uh, living in de as deity on the earth. He was living as a, as a man, limited by this natural world, uh, with, with, uh, of course, with the power of the Spirit of God in his life. But still, he couldn't be at more than one place at a time, so he was always limited. Wherever he was, is, is, uh, uh, he wasn't somewhere else, right? I know that's kind of an obvious statement there. but um, So, from a standpoint of just the quantity of miracles... We, we as the church ought to be doing as a whole greater works, greater quantity of works than Jesus did, which is probably still not true. I mean, at any given point in time, uh, my guess is we, are, we, are, we have not fulfilled this verse the way that we should uh, or the way that we could. Uh, but the, to me, this is not a controversial verse, right? This should be simple. This should, be, this should cause us to get on our knees more and say, Lord, we want these works. We want to be able to do the works of God. We want to be able to, to do these things and see these miracles. That's what Jesus did, right? Because he's talking about the works that he did. He's not talking about the things that he preached, right? To, where he preached the, the Sermon on the Mount. That's a great sermon. In fact, we've been teaching on the, on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, beginning with the Beatitudes, uh, for quite a while now. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about the things that he said. He didn't say, that the things that I said shall you say also. He said, the things that I do, the works that I do shall you do also. So it's whatever he did, right? Whatever we see him doing are the works that we as the church should be doing. Amen. And this is not, this should not be a controversial subject, but, uh, uh, but they are, right? And, and she, she made a point that there are many who study the Bible, but don't believe it. And how many people do you know don't believe John 14, 12? A lot of people in the church don't believe John 14, 12, that we should not be doing these things, that, that the age has passed, or, you know, when the last apostle died, it ended, or, you know, whatever, whatever excuse that we make in these things. Uh, and they're not true, but they don't, they don't, uh, uh, they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't believe it. Christians don't believe this thing. And uh, to me, that's really odd. When it, when I meet a Christian who doesn't believe what the word says, uh, but even even uh, she made a point that even uh, people who don't who translate the Bible often don't believe it. Do you ever? Uh, yeah, I remember reading a. a, a uh, uh, I won't mention the name, but uh, but I was reading. It was a, a person who had translated the whole Bible, uh, but then they went back and they put like a, a summary. Uh, for every book of the, of the Bible, just put that together, right? And it's a pretty good summary of what the, what the uh, doctrinal uh, emphasis of each book of the Bible was. And so it was a pretty good s summary of that. But then I got to reading, uh, like in, like in uh, places like Jonah. And they would, well, you know, they tell the historical context. Well, it was Nineveh was there going on here, and it was kind of a city. And, you know, and this was the status of, of the children of God and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and they said, well, you know... This story really didn't happen. It's just an analogy of something else. There was no great fish, and he wasn't really swallowed. He didn't stay in there three days and, and three nights. You know, uh, it was just a, it was a story, just made up, just a story for us to use to preach on later on. And I thought, you you translated the Bible. You know Hebrew well enough to translate it. I mean, I barely know English well enough to translate it. But this man knew Hebrew well enough to translate it, which is apparently a di very difficult language to translate. Yet he doesn't believe anything he's translating, which is really odd. But, you know, sometimes when we get to be so intellectual, we, faith is gone, right? Uh, and so there are, there are many, uh, in fact, there, there are some, some translators who, who declare, I am not a Christian. I'm just translating this just to translate uh, uh, the Bible as an intellectual exercise. Uh, and so, uh, which seems really odd. Uh, and so then since she quoted again Matthew 5 13 right so we read uh, both 12 and 13 but 
uh, or we read, the, uh, she emphasized the second part of that where it's, the beginning says you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden on the foot of the men. So, uh, you know, those who don't believe in a Lord, and yet they're Christians, right? They'll, they'll believe in, in the work of salvation, but that's as far as they'll believe. Uh, and, and, and so they don't provide any salt. They don't provide any assistance. You know, one of the things salt is used for is for healing. You know, sometimes we'll put uh, even salt on a wound to clean it, right? Now, it's painful, but it does, it does kill germs and things, and so it does provide some healing uh, ability. Uh, it's, it's painful, right? <laughs> you ever put salt on a wound? Uh, that's a proverbial throwing salt on the moon, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, and so, yeah, it is painful, and, and, you know, part of the reason is because salt mixes so well with water, and uh, we won't go into all the chemical properties of salt and, and wounds there, but, uh, um, but Jesus said, if salt has lost its savor, in other words, if, if you pour salt on, on your food and nothing changes, if the, if the flavor hasn't improved like it's supposed to, then how valuable is that salt? He hasn't done anything, right? So it's of no value. And, and, and he said, so how are you going to resalt the salt, right? It's like getting a can of powdered water. What would you add to it? I mean, you know, there's, I mean, you know, I mean, once you get powdered water, I don't know what you'd add to it, right? Uh, if you get a, a can of salt that, that, that adds no flavor, what would you add to it to cause it to start adding flavor? Uh, and so, uh, and now why would Jesus say that? Because there are people in the church who add no flavor to the, to the world they live in. That the world is exactly unchanged because uh, even though they're in it, the world is exactly unchanged uh, while they're in it. Uh, and he said it's good for nothing. Now, that's pretty harsh, but that, I didn't write it. Jesus wrote it, right? Uh, and so, so she said, you know, salt poured on a wound uh, it can be used to cleanse it, to, to, uh, and it will do its job, but it could be uh, painful or will be painful. Uh, and, you know, sometimes our job as a church is to show up and say, that's not right. That is wrong. We're not going to do that. Uh, and the world considers that painful. It's like, oh, I can't believe you're telling us it's wrong. Well, why? Well, it hurts my feelings. Okay, then we're doing our job, right? Uh, and so, uh, because our job is, to, is also to preserve. And you think about that. If our job is to preserve, uh, then that's one reason why the world has to remove us before the end of time, right? Uh, because while we're, while we're here, we are preservative to the earth. And they don't even know it. They don't appreciate the fact that the only reason why they haven't all been uh, zapped is because we exist. And, and um, it's kind of the same thing when I get on an airplane. I think, all y'all right here, none of y'all know how blessed you are because I have arrived. Because I'm here, this plane is going to go to the other side. And now, if I'm not here, I can't guarantee that. But if I'm here, we're going to the other side, right? And none of y'all know it. None of y'all appreciate uh, how blessed you are because I've arrived. Not because I've arrived, because the God in me has arrived. Uh, and I understand that, but, uh, you know, I, th I think it's funny that, uh, you know, none of them know, none of them appreciate uh, how blessed they are because a child of God has arrived to be on the same airplane that they are on. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, it, it's, uh, uh, um, and she talked about uh, salt uh, being put in water again. And, um, um, uh, well, the, the analogy she used where salt dissolving in water, she used the salt dissolving uh, in the water of the word, right? Um, and it does, you know, we're, we're cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. And so, 
you know, salt would sh salt us as salt should get along well with water, right? The water of the word, uh, and um, uh, you know that shouldn't be a controversial thing. And yet, even in the church, sometimes you know people will get upset at the word, and well, I don't want to do that. And uh, and part of the reason is because they have more sodium than they have the chloride, right? Uh, and so when you got too much sodium and not enough sodium chloride, then, then you're going to be explosive when you get interacting with the water of the word, right? Because sodium and water is an explosive interaction. And how many people in a church would get so fighting mad because of the word? And they should be absorbing the word easily. They're right. they're, they're, their interaction with the word should be, um, should be uh, an easy thing. Uh, and, um, uh, and yet, uh, I can't tell you how, how many times over the years preaching, when you say a Bible verse, and you know you've just lost everybody. Uh, and it's like, well, well, why is that a hard thing, right? This, this is literally in the Word, right? We're just reading the Word. Why, why are you having a hard time with the Word? And so we shouldn't have a hard time with the Word. It should be the easiest thing. When the Word goes forth, our reaction should be, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll take that. Uh, but you get in some circle and say, God is a healer. And you think you just dropped a chunk of sodium in a cup of water, right? They'll be explosive about you. Well, God wants to bless you. You know, God wants to bless you financially. Put it right out there. God wants to bless you financially. You know, he said that my cup runneth over. Isn't that what Psalm 23 says? My cup runneth over. Didn't Jesus say that, uh, that given shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and after doing all that, it's still what? Running over. Amen? Uh, it's, is that how God wants to bless you? That's how, I didn't write it. He wrote that, right? Well, I can't believe you said that. Well, I didn't say it. I'm just telling you what, uh, what Jesus said, and that was his own words. Amen? And so anytime people react strongly against the word of God, oh, you're like sodium. You need to get a little bit more of the, of, of the gas of heaven in you uh, and chill and just relax a little bit, right? Uh, and and uh, anybody ever remember the, uh, the phrase, he's not worth his salt? Have you ever heard that phrase? Well, it comes from the standpoint that salt used to be difficult to come by. And so... Uh, they would say he's not worth his salt because salt used to be used actually as, as money, right? Uh, I'll give you, you know, uh, I'll give you a, a camel for a, a bag of salt, and that's pretty fair trade, right? Uh, I don't know what the exchange rate of camel to salt was back in the day, but, uh, but whatever it was, uh, it, it was of value. And so if you said he's not worth his salt, then, then what you're saying, he's of no value. He's not, he's not worth uh, he's not worth uh, very much value there. Uh, and so, uh, so salt, you know, so we are the salt of the earth, right? Uh, and so what's all that got to do with healing? You know, just a little bit because salt can be used to, uh, to heal a wound or to, to disinfect a wound really is what it's used for because it kills, uh, it kills germs and, and such. Uh, and, you know, in that regards, we can take our lives as salt of the earth and go out and disinfect the earth, right? That's and it does need disinfecting, right? I mean, it's nasty out there. Uh, and, it, and it definitely needs to be squirted with some Febreze or something, you know. Uh, well, we are the salt of the earth, and we go out into the world, and that's part of our job is to disinfect the world, amen? Uh, but inside the church, we as the salt of the earth are supposed to dissolve easily into the water of the word, amen? Uh, and so, and then she finishes up with the salt is, is a flavor enhancer, which is kind of what we started out as. Uh, and, and I think it's good to just remind ourselves that we are the salt of the earth we're the only reasons why there is anything of interest in the earth otherwise the earth would be boring and full of sin and just everybody would think the same amen uh and uh, you remember back in the days of noah what did the lord say about the world 
They say they only, they only uh, do evil in their heart or think evil in their heart, what? Continually, right? That's all they do. They're all the same. All, doing all the same thing. Well, the church can and should be different, right? Well, we're not going to do that. <sighs> well, you're boring. You're not doing the sin like we are. No, we're the only ones who are adding any flavor to the earth. Amen? So I don't, I don't run around the, the earth thinking I'm, you know, I'm a boring Christian that, you know, uh, that uh, you all leading these super exciting lives of sin. No, I think the exact opposite. Any, any life of sin, boring, right? It's, it's bland, no flavor to it at all. Uh, and uh, if it wasn't for the salt of the, of the Lord, uh, there would be no, nothing of interest in the earth, amen? Uh, and, so, and that's part of our job, amen? And so she said the world is dull and flavorless, right? <laughs> so, uh, so, and it is, amen? So, uh, again, what's that got to do with healing? Yeah, it stretches, it stretches it a little bit there, I think, but uh, we'll, we'll just take it as... as uh, a good message anyway to remind ourselves that that's our job is to provide flavor to the earth uh, and preserve the earth and disinfect the earth uh, and and, uh, and then stay connected strongly with his word and those are all things that we can encourage ourselves to do amen so i think since uh, uh we got a couple more minutes uh, left we can go ahead and, and um, we only have five questions in this chapter um i'm going to answer the questions right so um Question number one is, salt is made from one substance located where? Above and one substance located where? Above and below, right? So, uh, and I thought that was a pretty good analogy. And then sodium is what in color? Dark grayish and black, right? Uh, and so, uh, but when mixed with chlorine, it becomes what? White in color. So uh, until we get to connected with the Lord, we're going to be dark and grayish and black, right, and explosive. Uh, and so uh, number three is, what can salt do for us medically? She said it was healing and health-preserving and decay-preventing. And um, I don't know on the healing part where... Yeah. Okay, so that can be brought healing, especially in it where low blood pressure. So, okay, so I, I didn't know in what context you would use uh, uh, salt for. So, but yeah, I have heard of them giving a saline solution there. So, uh, all right, so we'll give her that, right? Uh, but it is uh, a preservative and decay preventing, right? Uh, and so, uh, then the analogy of why is salt everywhere now? I don't think we actually mentioned that in the in the in the discussion there, but. Uh, where was salt before, you know, a long time ago? Was it rare or was it common a long time ago? It was rare, and then now it is common, right? Where was the church a long time ago? Was it rare or was it common back in Acts chapter 1? It was rare because it's only in Jerusalem, right? So now it's everywhere. So, so she was using the analogy that because salt is everywhere, that's an analogy that the church is now everywhere. And so everywhere you go in the world, you're going to find somebody that's a Christian somewhere, right? Uh, and so... Uh, and the last question is, she said, if you're a Christian but don't believe the Bible, you are salt that has lost its what? Its savor, its flavor, right? Uh, uh, and uh, why did Jesus say that? Because it happens, right? Uh, you know, there's the no need to say something that wouldn't happen. Uh, and so, which seems odd that you have a believer who doesn't what? Believe, right? I mean, it's like, uh, it, it does this. And then you look over the side, it doesn't really do that. But on this side is, you know, the the the... the 
little sticker on the front of the bottle says it does this and the back side of it says it doesn't really do that you know so why would you buy that right would you why would you follow that amen uh and so so uh, that that was uh, chapter six there and um uh, we'll let it go you know we won't we won't mention it when we get to heaven and see her it's like why'd you have the chapter six in there anyway it's a good chapter but what's it got to do with healing right and so uh but uh, all is well amen the next chapter she picks up uh, back to healing again so let's pray and thank the lord for for his word today so father we thank you that we are the salt of the earth and father we thank you that uh without us the earth is boring father there, there is no life there's no flavor to the earth uh, father we add that flavor to the earth because of your life in us the eternal life that lives on the inside of us that if not for the church the world would all look exactly the same uh, and so father we thank you that that's our mission on the earth is to go out and to enhance the earth but also father to preserve the earth and to provide healing to the earth and that's the job of the church and so father we can do that because we are the salt of the earth and so, Father, we thank you for the commission that you've given us to do that. And by your spirit, through your power, we will do those things for the earth to help them. And we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Uh, and I do like that verse there that we are the salt of the earth. Uh, I have had people over the years try to imply that, oh, you're, you're a goody-two-shoe Christian and you never do anything of any interest, and, you know, uh, and, and they're implying that their sin is very interesting, and, and, and uh, I look at them, just, you're boring, you bore, you, excuse me while I yawn, you know, uh, because the, the devil loves to try to, to get the church to think that only his life is of interest, and the life of the Christian is boring, sitting around and doing nothing all day long, uh, which is the furthest from the truth. God can speak one word to you and change your entire course and direction of your life. To me, that's pretty interesting and exciting, amen? Uh, and um, what can you do? Well, I can get drunk and blacked out, you know, and wake up three days later. Oh, that's super exciting. Could, could wait to do something like that, right? Uh, and so, yeah, I'm just kidding, right? I have no interest in doing that. Um, uh, well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's uh, offering. And um, uh, appreciate you all uh, coming to Healing School. Uh, I meant to mention that Johnny and Nancy aren't here today because uh, Johnny contracted uh, COVID. Uh, and um, I, don't, I don't know why they're still calling it COVID-19 because that was three years ago, right? It seemed like it'd be COVID-2025 by now or so, right? Uh, and so, uh, and there's different strains of it too. So it's not really the same COVID. Apparently it was around three years ago as far as I know. I don't really keep up with all that too much there. So, because uh, I'm the healed of God, amen. I'm the salt of the earth. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. And um, I thank God that, uh, you know, for the most part, we're through all the COVID stuff. You know, it was kind of crazy there for a while. And uh, things are, at least in that area, starting to get back to normal. But, there, you know, you still got a few pockets of uh, fear-mongering going on. And, and um, uh, it's unfortunate. But I can't imagine that we'll ever go back to anything like that. You know, I think they tried to get this monkey pox, you know. Oh, you need to shut everything down again. And I think everybody's like, uh, no, we're never doing that again, you know. So whatever that is, I don't know what's going on. doesn't matter because the Bible says, it shall not come nigh my dwelling, amen. Thousands shall follow my side, 10,000 are on my hand. It shall not come nigh me, right? No monkey pox allowed on my property. And so uh, the Lord is good, amen. Uh, we'll be blessed uh, and have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.